Welcome to Compliance Beat, the podcast for compliance and ethics professionals. We provide practical insights and answer your questions about compliance and ethics. Together, we'll stay up to date on current trends so that your program stays effective. Brought to you by Moorhead Compliance Consulting. Here's your host, Eric Moorhead. Today, I wanted to talk a little bit about third-party codes, and in particular, uh, the title of this podcast is Do You Need a Third-Party Code? I think the answer depends a lot on the size of your organization and obviously uh, how much or how reliant uh, and what's the criticality of the reliance that you have on third parties in your business. Um, For example, um, I think more and more organizations, whether they're no matter what industry they're in, are uh, outsourcing or have uh, software as a service or um, are working with uh, vendors or con- subcontractors or other a- or agents or other third parties uh, in lieu of hiring. Hiring is becoming more and more difficult. Uh, certainly, we see that in a lot of the statistics that are out there here in the last few months, that uh, there are a lot of open jobs out there. Uh, that tells me that there are a lot of contractors doing work uh, because those positions, those permanent positions, aren't being filled. Uh, so we have a lot of third parties out there. Um, I know it's common, and I still see this quite a bit and with clients I work with, and, and in fact, a few clients I've been working with just during the last year on updating their codes of conduct, where they still, uh, in the preamble or the earlier sections of the code of conduct meant for employees, Uh, also have the code apply to certain third parties, vendors, uh, subcontractors, contractors, agents, uh, resellers, uh, you name it. There's all kinds of third parties out there that could uh, uh, find themselves assigned to the code of conduct for employees. There are some problems, I think, in uh, having a one code uh, for both your employees permanent employees and third parties who um, may or may not uh, be with the organization on a permanent or semi-permit basis. But even more importantly, uh, just using myself as an example, I work for you know many, many clients. So I am not just working for company X, I'm working for um, you know 15 companies or, or however many companies I happen to be working for at the time. Uh, so my, uh, as, a, as a third party, my interaction with the organization and interaction with uh, the particular projects that I work on is completely different than somebody who might be a full-time employee. Um, some examples where a code of conduct for employees may not make a lot of sense for um, those that are uh, contractors or subcontractors or agents or resellers or what have you is conflicts of interest. Uh, depending on what my agreement is with the company that I'm working with, um, certainly conflict of interest doesn't apply or certain aspects of conflicts of interest do- would not apply to me as a outsider. Um, taking other jobs, for example, <laughs> that's you know obviously something that is uh, going to be different if you are a third party. 
Um, I haven't seen this recently, but I, I had seen in the past where some organizations try to carve out uh, and have some sort of language, uh, usually in the section that talks about the applicability of the code for third parties, to say something along the lines of not all of the aspects of this code will apply. Well, that's vague, and, and that is not all that helpful. Uh, long story short, I, I don't want to spend too much time on, on this point because uh, I want to talk a little bit more about what a third-party code can be and, and how it's different. Uh, I just don't believe that for most organizations of size, and I think that's the di differentiating factor, uh, having a, uh, a, an employee code that also applies to third parties just doesn't make a lot of sense. Um, there are going to be lots of exceptions that, that are just going to naturally occur. Uh, it doesn't really speak to the risks that you are most concerned with or most organizations are most concerned with when you're talking about third parties. Things like privacy, data security, um, uh, anti-corruption, um, those sorts of things are the key areas where third parties will provide risk, create risk, create compliance risk for your organization. So those are the things you want to focus on. Uh, and not necessarily things like conflicts, which, you know, can be iffy. I think you can have a statement about conflicts of interest, certainly in a third party code, but it's going to be much more limited and different from a conflicts of interest discussion when you're addressing that to your employees directly or directors or or uh, executives of the organization. The, the, the conflicts and the conflicts discussion you want to have in your code of conduct for that population is very different. And that's just one example. Uh, the other thing that often uh, will come up too is uh, uh, if you most of your operations are here in North America, but you have contractors and other third parties overseas, then you're gonna have differences when you're talking about uh, uh, workplace conditions and uh, 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 things like harassment. Uh, the laws will vary. And certainly codes of conduct can can accomplish uh, covering that by making sure that everyone understands that applicable law applies wherever you might be and policy of the organization applies wherever you are. Uh, I, I think that you just find yourself in a situation where it makes more sense, especially after you're, if you're over a certain size and you have sort of critical mass of third parties that are out there uh, potentially creating that risk for you. Uh, that you want to have a third-party code. So what is a third-party code? Well, third-party code covers a lot of the same ground uh, that we have talked about many times before when we talk about employee codes of conduct. Uh, it talks about uh, those key risk areas that, um, that your organization is most concerned about. And it also uh, provides guidance on what to do um, if there is a question or concern. Uh, this is another area where a third-party code might differ from your employee code. For most employee codes, um, we have a point of contact that might be our compliance officer or the legal department or human resources or the helpline or whatever it might be. That might not be the same for your uh, third-party code, particularly if most of these relationships are being man managed, for example, by purchasing. If the third parties you're concerned about are vendors, then perhaps the point of contact, if there's a question or concern, 
is a procurement officer or somebody in the procurement office rather than uh, somebody in the compliance office or the legal office. I don't know. It just depends on what, where those relationships are held and what the, um, what the feeling is about the most appropriate place for uh, third parties to reach out if they have questions or concerns about the code. But just, just as with a, an employee code, that's certainly a major component is you don't want to just list off uh, multiple different risk topics that you're concerned about and not provide uh, some sort of guidance as to what that third party can do if they have a question or concern. Um, there has to be some sort of point of contact. Now, what I um, often encourage my clients to do when they're drafting third party codes of conduct is to have a, a dual discussion around um, reporting and asking questions. And what I mean by that is if you um, have some sort of internal resource, again, whether that's going to be uh, compliance or whether that's going to be procurement or whatever it's going to be, that's important. But you also want to encourage the organization, um, uh, the, the person the person or persons that are reviewing the third party code to um, avail themselves of any of their of their organizational uh, reporting resources if those exist. Um, and there's also an opportunity in conjunction with that to kind of lay out your expectations of what kind of compliance program that third party is going to have. Uh, are, are you, do you have an expectation that they're going to have their own code or their own uh, written standards? Do you have an expectation that they are going to have some sort of reporting uh, resources? Do you have an expectation that they are going to train at all on topics uh, that are of particular interest, whether that's anti-corruption or privacy or data security or whatever it might be. So you have to really th think what your expectations are. Um, coverage is another important um, concept that will obviously come up when you're thinking about the content of the code for third parties. Um, not all your third parties are probably um, mature enough to have their own programs or to have the kind of programs that uh, we might expect uh, uh, that you know that that we have uh, we have our own expectations for for our organization. They may be too small. Um, I have worked with clients before that have made a third party code and they've made it broad enough and aspirational enough, if you will, that it will cover all of their third parties. So if they have five hundred vendors and and uh, two hundred of them are you know mom and pops or like me you know pretty small. Uh, perhaps the expectations there are not as um, strident and, and, and as explicit as they would be for larger organizations. Uh, I have also some clients who have determined that they're going to have their code apply only to a certain strata. So maybe their code only applies to certain uh, size third parties and, and certain, certain um, uh, third parties that they deal with, but not all third parties. So maybe it applies to their vendors and suppliers but it doesn't, it doesn't apply to their agents or it doesn't apply to their resellers or, or people um, uh, on the other side of the equation from vendors and suppliers. That's fine. I think you, you have to really think about, okay, who, what do we want? What are the expectations that we have? And who do we have those expectations for? How wide of a net are we going to cast? I think you can do it uh, pretty much any way you want. Uh, certainly you can have a third-party code of conduct that is going to speak to a wide, broad 
group of uh, vendors, suppliers, agents, uh, contractors, resellers. There are certain um, broad um, uh, risk topics that you can discuss uh, your expectations around that aren't going to that are going to cross over to anybody who's acting on potentially acting on your behalf or working for your organization as a third party. It really just depends on what you think is going to work best. So what are some other practical things, some, some benchmarking, if you will? Uh, for the most part, these codes are short. They are to the point. They are not very detailed. Um, and that's by necessity, again, because they often are covering a broad range of third parties that are fulfilling different roles uh, for the organization and are of you know really varying uh, maturity levels and size levels uh, as far as as the composition of those third parties. Um, so usually uh, these third party codes are short. And by short, I mean, if your average code of conduct now is between eight and ten thousand words, maybe shrinking, hopefully shrinking, I think that's wise, and we've talked about that before. Um, the code that I'm working on with the client right now has is just about 1,600 words um, uh, for a third-party code, and um, I think anywhere between say 1,200 to 1,500 words to like 2,500 words, maybe 3,000 words, is sort of the sweet spot you're you're looking for for a third-party code. Uh, again, you're not going to be discussing a lot of the risks that you discuss in your um, uh, your your employee code uh, but the but there are there is some topic overlay there are some consistent topics some of the things that you might expect to see in a third-party code include topics like human trafficking and anti-slavery human rights and that can include working conditions less frequently but sometimes wage and hour wage and benefit discussion uh, certainly anti-bribery and anti-corruption uh, and I trust sometimes, although not very frequently, uh, gifts and entertainment, depending again on uh, sort of the, uh, net, the net you're casting and, and who's included, uh, that might be something you include. A broad statement about business ethics, I think, and you know, uh, conducting business ethically and, and in compliance with the law and policy is, I think, pretty common. Uh, discrimination and harassment, yes, but pretty high level and probably not including that typical EEO litany of uh, uh, characteristics because, again, that doesn't necessarily apply uh, if you're talking about uh, third parties or vendors or, or others that are operating in different jurisdictions. But, again, for many multinationals, your code of conduct already anticipates this, and there's some language in there that you can probably use. Uh, health and safety, uh, protecting the environment, uh, that's something that comes up uh, more frequently these days. Um, sometimes conflicts, but again, a very narrow discussion of conflicts of interest, not necessarily the same. More, more or less an admonishment not to take uh, opportunities that belong uh, to the uh, to, to your organization. Uh, again, a lot of that's going to be dependent on the contractual relationship you have with uh, that third party as to whether uh, you have um, uh, a necessity to discuss conflicts within the code. Uh, less common, but sometimes there, um, uh, protections on IP. Uh, if you're sharing IP or you're working in a, 
uh, an arrangement where third parties are using IP. I'm thinking here resellers and um, uh, uh, franchisees and, and, and third parties like that where they might be using uh, trade dress and trademark and, and things like that. There might be some discussion about responsible use and, and the use of intellectual property. That would be something uh, that maybe you don't have much of a discussion on in your employee code, but makes sense to have in your third party code, depending on those third parties and the relationships you have. Uh, data sec, privacy, uh, I think that's probably much more common here in the last few years. Uh, if, uh, if your third parties are handling uh, PII or handling um, confidential information, then you're going to want to talk about those topics. Um, trade and boycott, possibly. Um, uh, record keeping, auditing, uh, uh, inspections that sometimes might come into play. Uh, some third parties that this, these codes might apply to could conceivably include uh, joint ventures, for example, where maybe you'll want to have a discussion about um, bookkeeping and audit uh, uh, and examination. Uh, that's a possibility. Um, some some other situations I, I think there are some topics that are in your employee code that maybe uh, depending on the circumstances might make sense coming into the third party code but not very frequently something like again competition uh, antitrust law i think that's i pretty rarely see that in third party codes but depending on the relationship you have with the covered entities that you're uh, targeting maybe that's something maybe maybe possibly insider trading uh, if again the information that's being shared uh, is the kind of information that might um, uh, uh, lead to risk around trading but uh, for the most part you can take a take a look at your code of conduct and what you talk about in your code of conduct and 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 really think hard uh, go through the exercise of what are the um, risks that we cover here that that are most important and then again don't forget uh, to talk about uh, speaking up um, again although these aren't employees and you may not be directing them to the same resources you would direct employees to although more and more organizations are opening up their helpline uh, to contractors and vendors and other third parties because they want to capture that information so it's something to think about uh, you need to think about what you're going to say around that because uh, just as the most important message that you can have in your employee code of conduct is to encourage people to come forward and ask questions when they don't quite understand what's going on or report concerns that they have, the same is true for a third-party code. Whether this third-party code is only going to be reviewed by one or two people in a small organization or whether potentially your third-party code is going to be the only code that exists for uh, some of your uh, vendors or, or other third parties. You have to you know, consider the, the potential um, uh, audiences and and and, and the, the what you're tr what you really need to say to that audience out there but but those are some things to think about again it's going to be pretty short so a section on uh, uh, modern slavery and and uh, uh, human rights uh, might only be a paragraph but it's going to you know make sure that the expectations are clear uh, for that organization for that third party 
Uh, it's going to be much different from your employee code uh, as far as you know the the depth and the length of of what you're going to say. Um, one last thing, I, when I talk about code of conduct, I often talk about um, design elements and trying to make the code more appealing um, using um, uh, using scenarios and other learning aids, uh, definition boxes, you know, breaking up, the, you know, not just having solid text like a, a Word document as your employee code. The same holds true for this document. Again, you want people to remember it, read it, uh, and, and, you know, take to heart the, the, the message that you have put, put down in those 2,000 or so words. So design is important here too. I would encourage anybody who is uh, putting together a third-party code to put the same sort of effort in making that code appealing to look at and, and review and read and thumb through and remember as you would for your uh, employee code. So those same rules apply. Same for translations. Uh, you need to have a real serious discussion with your team about uh, translating this document um, maybe even more so than your employee code, depending on the makeup of your third parties that you're dealing with. Uh, you may um, you may have have a uh, a need to translate it into more languages than you do your employee code. If you've got uh, a critical mass um, uh, of of uh, third parties in certain jurisdictions where you have a pretty good idea that they're that they're not going to be speaking English. Uh, that's an important consideration as well. And as we talked about in a couple of the last podcasts that we put together here in the summer, uh, a big part of having a successful third-party code is, again, no different from your employee code, is having a successful launch um, plan in place, communicating this and, and making sure that it gets sent out uh, to the appropriate people and and uh, uh, contacts and uh, with with the, the different third parties that you do business with. Uh, so having uh, coordinating with procurement or co coordinating with all the people who sort of own the relationships for these different third parties, so that you can have a successful um, uh, set of communications and a successful launch when you uh, roll out a new third party code is really important. It's again no different from what you would do with your employee code. A lot of the steps that I've talked about many times on this podcast around uh, employee codes of conduct certainly hold to, true for third-party codes as well. So I hope that that um, gives you kind of a good primer about third-party codes. I'd like to talk more in depth about some of these topics in the, in the future. If any of these things uh, appeal to you and or you have specific questions, please, please don't hesitate to email me at eric at moreheadconsulting.com or you can contact us on the Compliance Beat website. If you have questions or um, if you uh, have some suggestions for future podcasts um, or just want to reach out for us to us for any reason, please do. Please do. Uh, but until next time, thanks very much. Thanks for listening to Compliance Beat. Check out our website, compliancebeat.com. This podcast is brought to you by Moorhead Compliance Consulting. Be sure to check us out at moorheadconsulting.com.